global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CGMA. Employ a chartered global management accountant or empower your finance team with the CGMA program. Learn more at cgma.org slash radio. U.S. stock index futures, they are higher as investors await further financial reports in this week's Federal Reserve policy update for signs of the health of the world's biggest economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up three points. Dow E-mini futures up 34. NASDAQ E-mini futures up three. DAX in Germany, that'll change. Ten-year Treasury, that'll change. The yield 1.91%. NYMEX crude oil is up nine tenths percent or forty cents to forty three oh four a barrel. COMEX gold is down six tenths percent or six dollars ninety cents to twelve thirty three thirty an ounce. The euro a dollar twelve seventy seven. The yen is at one eleven. Sarepta Therapeutics failing to win the backing of a panel of U.S. regulatory advisors for its experimental drug to treat a devastating muscle disease called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Its shares are down 44% this morning. Fiat Chrysler's profit rising in the first quarter, lifted by demand for Jeep sport utility vehicles in Europe and the U.S. 3M beat analysts' first quarter profit estimates as the maker of posted notes and scotch tape boosted sales in its healthcare and safety businesses. And T-Mobile reported profit that exceeded analysts' estimates. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Mike and Lisa. Karen Moscow, thank you very much for talking with Michael Pond. He is head of uh, global inflation-linked research at yeah. Barclays. Uh, Lisa, you were interested in uh, his view going forward on uh, the the idea that the market uh, has a different view than the Fed does well, about inflation. <laughs> well, the market is pricing in that the Fed will. You were just saying in the break that the that the market that the uh, that inflation will never reach the Fed's two percent target. Do you think that this is fair? Well, that is what the market's pricing in. Um, again, the market has its its opinion. We think that um, the Fed will be able to achieve its target over the medium term. Core inflation has already started to, to pick up. Um, core PCE has gone from a, a low one range to the to the mid ones. Now, that's still lower than the Fed would like it to, to be, around 2%. But it has started to creep higher. And break-evens have bounced uh, from their February lows, and they should have because oil Oil's up, the dollar's down, the Fed is a little bit more dovish here, uh, but they're still low and still priced for inflation to remain below the Fed's target basically forever. So let's say uh, the market is wrong and inflation does reach the Fed's target. Which set of bonds will be most hurt? Well, we think, um, more importantly, that tips will outperform nominal treasuries here. So so we expect to, that, that those forward break-evens will move to levels more in line with uh, being consistent with the Fed's target of 2% on PCE, which means about 2.4% on CPI, which is uh, what tips are priced off of. So we are, what we're advocating is that investors uh, continue to, to shift into tips rather than own nominal treasuries, which could be hurt if inflation does rise to the Fed's target. Michael Pond from Barclays, thanks for being with us here on uh, surveillance this morning. Now we're going to turn our attention to politics. It is another Super Tuesday. They're calling it the Acela Corridor or the I-95 primary day. Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, Connecticut, and Rhode Island will vote. 
What will it all mean? Well, the man who would know is NBC's Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press on NBC, which you can hear every Sunday here on Bloomberg Radio. Uh, Chuck, uh, we normally start off by talking about the Republicans. I want to start off by talking about the Democrats, because if the polls are correct, Hillary Clinton is going to do very well today. And does that basically end the race there? In other words, is Bernie Sanders uh, staring down the, you know, the barrel of, of the gun here? He's, he's, he, he's not much point in carrying on, is there? Well, I thought that race ended last week uh, after New York. I mean, you know, he put all his money uh, cards on, and he was right. I mean, if he was going to knock her off of the nomination, he needed to win in a big state. Now, the fact of the matter is the biggest state by population that he's won is Michigan. Not bad, but he hasn't won Ohio. He did not win Florida. He didn't win Texas, didn't win New York. California's still coming. But if you look at the, the biggest states with the biggest electorates, um, Sanders hasn't won. And I think that that's why he needed a big state win. Pennsylvania would be, if he could pull that off, that would qualify there. It doesn't look like it looks like he may come up short. But Sanders may win a couple states tonight, Rhode Island, Connecticut, uh, I think are, are states that he could win. So, uh, and, he, and he could come close in Pennsylvania. Um, but, uh, look, I think it ended last week. And this delegate hall that she's going to get tonight, you know, she could only, it, it, let's say he wins, let's say he pulled the upset in Pennsylvania. It would only be by a couple points. She still would like to win more delegates tonight because she's going to uh, romp in Maryland and Delaware. Chuck, turning to the Republicans, which state for Donald Trump is most important to win in this round of primaries uh, in order to clinch the nomination? I think it's to it's a it's not just winning in Pennsylvania, but winning big. And the reason why it matters so much there is that Pennsylvania is one of these states that most of their delegates are going to be unbound at the convention. In fact, what they do is when you when Pennsylvania voters go to the polls today, they will be voting for a presidential candidate, and then they will be selecting actual individuals to participate as delegates. They elect 54 of their delegates separately in separate elections, and they get to vote however they want at the convention. Now, in a survey of these people who are on the ballot to run for delegate, a majority of them, 61% of them, said that they would vote for the winner of their state or the congressional district. Um, so if Trump wins big, then a majority of those unbounds probably end up in his column for that first ballot. And that's why he needs to not just win in Pennsylvania, but win big, because he needs to put public pressure on those unbound delegates to stick with them. Well, the Cruz folks they can, think they can win as many as 30 of them. They could, uh, and I think that's right, uh, that they could. And I think Trump actually only needs, we did some back-of-the-envelope math of the show on Sunday, he only, of the 54, I could argue he only needs 25 or 30 of them anyway um, when you start looking at what he's going to need. Trump's going to have a huge night tonight, and that's that's something else, and it really is going to be a reminder of this little Cruz Kasich deal. If only they had cut it a month ago, tonight could have been a different story, and I think they would have been able to prevent Trump from getting his 1237. But it may be that this deal was cut too too late. What should we be looking for with Kasich? I mean, he's been basically written off as, as basically staying in simply in case there's a contested uh, convention. But, you know, what what should we be looking for to give him some more credibility in this whole race? Well, I think it's possible he wins more delegates tonight than Cruz. Um, that wouldn't that that would be a pretty good uh, feather in his cap. Um, it would be better if he could actually win a second state. John Kasich has yet to win a state outside of Ohio. And that is a troublesome uh, trend for him. He has not won, you know, he hasn't won more more than 10 delegates, I think, in over a month. He got about four or five in New York. Let's see how he does tonight. So I, I think 
you know, a close second place in Maryland, a close second place in Pennsylvania might give them a little bit of a booster, uh, a booster shot. But um, it, this could have been a better Tuesday for him had he focused on one state, had he focused on Maryland, for instance. Um, but the campaign chose not to do that. Trump's people went down to Florida at the meeting of the uh, Republican National Committee last week and said he was only kidding. It's all an act, and he'll clean up his act, and he'll be a respectable, yeah. uh, intelligent candidate going forward. Do any Republicans actually think uh, that he can beat Hillary Clinton, and and do they uh, really think he is not going to be a detriment to the party down ballot? Here's what some Republicans, here's the debate that's going on among, among rank-and-file Republican activists, um, the sort of the strategist types. Do they believe Trump can win? No. Do they believe Cruz can win? No. Do they believe Trump presents Clinton more problems than Cruz? Yes. And that is the one advantage that Trump has, is that there, if you're giving Republican activists the choice between Cruz and Trump, the unpredictability of Trump makes some of these Republicans believe, well, there's at least a you-never-know aspect to Trump in a fall campaign versus Clinton than there is, for instance, with Cruz. With Cruz, you know what you're going to get. She can run a predictable campaign, and he probably can't win a demographic contest. With Trump, it becomes a different campaign. And so that's why that's, – that's where Trump's unpredictability helps. And by the way, you know, it's interesting um, – you talked about what his campaign staff said about Trump at that RNC meeting. Guess who disagreed with, with that characterization? Donald Trump. Yeah. He wasn't happy about it. So I think we've got some turmoil inside the Trump campaign. Well, he would hate it if he were not on NBC all the time. <laughs> he loves speaking for himself. He doesn't like when other people speak for him, period, even if he agrees with what they say. It bothers him, and I think that the new staff that was brought in they haven't figured that out about him yet. It's a, it's, they got to be careful here or he'll, he'll run them out of town. You know, I was struck by the news of the weekend that the Koch brothers might consider supporting Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. as opposed to any of the Republican uh, <laughs> candidates. I mean, how damaging do you think this will be going forward for the Republican Party? I think it could be. Here's what it does. It's, it's not that well, it's not losing the presidential exchange. It's the impact it could have down the ballot. And it's the fact that, look, the Republican Party has been having this fight inside uh, for about a decade, right, between yeah. the pragmatic business wing of the party and the conser- more, more conservative activist wing. And Donald Trump came in and basically um, blew up both parts of that party, right? He took the pieces of yeah. both coalitions and he created this new yeah. one. The downside for the party is that if Donald Trump's the nominee... This fight between the two sides in the Republican Party will never get decided for another four years, and it's going to keep them longer. From NBC, you can listen to Meet the Press 11 and 3 here on Bloomberg Radio.